Good morning. Good morning. It is good to gather here. It is good to be in God's house. Uh, while it's difficult to be here, just the five of us, it is nice. And I am thankful to God for the technology that we have that we can still worship, although it is not together. It is not corporately. But I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody is staying sane, so to speak, during this difficult time and resting in God's providence and God's sovereignty. Just a couple of announcements as we begin. Excuse me. Uh, the first announcement is that the women's retreat has been canceled, or excuse me, it's been postponed to October 30th and 31st. I'm sure we'll have more information uh, for that as we get closer. The other announcement is a reminder that the moderator of our pres- of our synod has called us to prayer, to daily prayer. Um, regarding regarding this virus, this COVID-19 coronavirus, to pray daily at 10 o'clock Eastern time for the halt of the virus and also for um, revival in the uh, national and international church. So please be praying for that. We'll talk a little bit more in our service as we go along about uh, a way to pray over the next 90 days for that. There's also a post on the church's Facebook page about a seven-day guide for prayer for the coronavirus. As I said, we are here to worship. We have gathered to worship together. And so our call to worship today comes from Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then will I go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Let us pray. God, we are here today, whether in this place or in our own homes, we have gathered to worship you. Remind us that it is in your holy house that we find peace, that we find hope. And remind us that when our soul is in turmoil within us, that our hope is in you and that we are able to find rest in you. Or be honored and glorified by our worship. Some of us come today uh, with souls in distress. And yet we are here today to worship you. And so be honored by that and help us to find that hope of peace. And that peace and hope which comes through being in your presence. Lord, what a privilege it is to gather at your throne through prayer. And what a great privilege it is to be taught by our Lord and Savior to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When we are in times of distress, it is good to be reminded of God's sovereignty. And because of God's sovereignty, we can sing that it is well. 
Jerry Bridges in his book, Trusting God, reminds us that one of the, that the foundation of trust is knowing that he is sovereign. So join with me or listen as we sing. It is well. When peace like a river Oh, 
God has provided forgiveness for sins. And yet part of our route of sanctification, part of walking the path of life with God is confessing to him. And so today our prayer of confession comes once again from Barbara Duguid's book, Prone to Wander. Faithful God, we come to you today as deeply forgetful people. You have been so much better to us than we deserve faithfully fulfilling your commitment to give us good things in Christ. Yet we quickly forget all the wonderful gifts that you have already given us and feel angry and bitter when you won't answer our prayers the way in which we want you to. Instead of remembering your deliverance and running to you daily as our shield of refuge, the anchor of our souls, we prefer to remain in bondage to our idols Because we love our sins and it seems too hard to fight against them. We doubt your goodness and power many times each day. And resent the race of obedience that you call us to run. Father, forgive us. Jesus, thank you for remembering that the truth that remembering the truth faithfully on our behalf. You worshiped your father daily with unwavering faith and unshakable hope in his goodness. Cherishing the Father's unchangeable character, you submitted to his perfect wisdom and trusted him completely in all the circumstances of your life, even when it was most painful. You took refuge in him, often in your times of need, and never turned toward false gods. Now your obedience becomes our strong encouragement to hope in the midst of continuing weakness, and you continue to advocate our cause As our heavenly high priest, we have no other hope, nor do we need one. Holy Spirit, we need your power at work in us to stir up our hope. Help us to know and worship our God as he is the unchangeable sovereign king who has sworn by himself to save us in spite of our perverse foolishness. Cause us to know the certainty of God's great love for us. Until we are transformed into people who love him deeply and are able to run the race with strong confidence and joyful hope in Christ, open our lips to join the heavenly worship service and help us look forward to the triumphant coming of our heavenly king. Amen. Hear this assurance from 2 Timothy 2 verses 8, 9 and 19. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David. As preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. The ARP for at least the last 200 years has been singing a a song in Bible songs. We know it is number 188 under his wings and Bible song 188 under his wings is based upon Psalm 91. And I would encourage you 
over the next 91 days, beginning today. So from today, March 29th until June 29th, to daily read and pray through Psalm 91. So that is our scripture reading today, which comes from Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Now is the time in our service where we would typically take up our tithes and offerings. Please remember that you can mail those in. And if you are listening and do not attend Fairly Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, please make sure that you continue to support your church as there are still bills to be paid and as we are still called to give of our tithes and our offerings. We are able to give to God because he has given greatly to us. And the way that one of the ways in which he has given greatly to us is the grace that he has given to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are following along in the hymn book that we normally use in church, we will sing hymn number 275, Amazing Grace. It is one that we can find lyrics online as well and follow along. So join we as we lift up our voices in singing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the
Remember the prayer requests that you that we have in our prayer list. Remember those in our families that are sick. Please remember today, especially those who are in the medical profession, who are uh, there in hospitals and doctor's offices, um, still working in the midst of this outbreak, in the midst of this pandemic. Pray for them to have strength. Pray for them to be uplifted and comforted. And pray for them uh, to be protected from this virus. And so let us go to the Lord our God in prayer. Lord, as your people, we do dwell in the shelter of the Most High. We find rest and peace in the shadow of the Almighty. You, O God, are our refuge and our fortress. Because of your sovereignty, because of your love, we know that we can trust you. We know that we can find peace from you in you and from you. We know that you will rescue us. You will protect us when we acknowledge your name. When we call upon you, you will answer. We know that you will be with us in times of trouble. We know that you will deliver us and honor us. And that you will and have shown us your salvation. Lord, as we live life today in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a virus. We ask that you remind us of the salvation that we have in you. Of the eternal life that we have in you. In the deliverance and honor that we have from you. Because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we have confessed When we fail to keep your law, he has done it. When we fail to remember you, he has remembered. When we fail to rest in you, he has rested in you. And because of his work, both on this earth, on the cross, and his intercessory work there in the throne room with you, we know that his righteousness is ours. 
if we but come to you in faith. So give us the faith this day. Grow our faith so that we might know more and more the rest, the deliverance and the honor that we have in you. Lord God, we do lift this virus to you today and ask that you take it away, that you halt its progress in our world and that you provide recovery and healing for those who are sick. Lord, we are tempted to ask. What have we done wrong to deserve this? What have they done wrong to deserve this? But your son reminded us in Luke 13. That the the question we should ask is, what do I need to repent of? And so, Lord, help us to repent of our sins. Help us to repent of our forgetfulness. Help us to repent of our idolatry, our arrogance, our selfishness. And help us to turn toward your righteousness and to walk more and more, to walk closer and closer with you. Lord, we lift up our our government officials right now, the local officials, the state officials, our national officials, as they are having to make decisions in a rush and are trying to protect the people that they have been elected to serve, the people that you have raised them up to serve. Give them wisdom in the midst of this. Help them to make their decisions based upon knowledge rather than fear. Based upon protection rather than control. Help them to seek your wisdom and to honor and glorify you. Lord, we pray for our nation and ask that through this you bring revival. That you bring a desire for people to turn toward you. Help us as your church to show that gospel to them. To show them where our hope lies. To show them where our peace lies. And to show them where we found rest in the midst of a raging pandemic. Or during times of war, we pray for those on the front line. And right now we are at war against a virus. And so we do pray for those on the front line. For our doctors, for our nurses, for the support staff in the hospitals. We ask that you sustain each of them. That you protect each of them. That you strengthen each of them. And if they should get sick, that you heal each of them. Remind us to be more thankful for doctors and nurses. Remind us to be more thankful for the medical technology and the medical knowledge that you have given to us. Lord, help us to pursue your glory in the midst of this pandemic, no matter what happens. Knowing that the hope that we have is not hope from merely the healing from a virus, but the hope of a life of eternity lived with you. Lift us up, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We typically join together in proclaiming truth here in this room where I stand today. And yet we will have to join together separately in our homes. So join with me as we proclaim the truth that is given to us in Scripture and summarized in the Apostles' Creed. Church, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please take your Bibles there in your homes. And turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Today we are in Proverbs chapter 4. We'll be in verses 1 through 9 as we are in nearing the middle of Solomon's introductory remarks, uh, which is chapters 1 through 9, as he is introducing us to wisdom, to the importance of wisdom, to the benefits of wisdom, and to the supremacy of wisdom, which is something we will begin to look at today, the supremacy of wisdom. So join with me as I read from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, he taught me and said, Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Esteem or cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Let us pray. O God and Father above, show us your wisdom. Show us your understanding. And show us how we might walk well before you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the way we've always done it. You know, we typically cringe when we hear that particular statement because we think of it as justifying something that has become uh, almost an idol for us just because that's the way we've always done it. Many of us have heard the story of the mom who's teaching her daughter how to cook a ham. The mom cuts off one end of the ham and sets it beside the larger portion in the pan before she puts it in the oven. The daughter asks and says, why do we why do you cut off the end of the ham? And the mom says, well, because that's how my mom taught me to do it. So the daughter goes to her grandmother and asks, why do you cut off the end of the ham? The grandmother answers and said, well, that's how my mom taught me how to do it. The girl is fortunate to have her great grandmother still around. And she goes and she asks her great grandmother, 
Why do you cut off the end of the ham? The great grandmother answers and said, I couldn't fit the whole ham in the pan I had when I was younger, so I had to cut the end off. And the lesson here is to examine and jettison any traditions that don't make sense any longer. But there is a good side to the statement. That's the way we all we have always done it. And the good side is something that we don't often consider. Your doctor would be wrong to think that she did not stand on the foundation of medical tradition. That still has a whole lot to teach her. I would be crazy not to consider the tradition of the early fathers and the reformers and other saints who have gone before me and studied and written about their study of the word. When I am wrestling with the scriptures in order to teach and preach on a weekly basis. And the wisdom that Solomon is teaching to his son today is like that. It is a wisdom that has been passed down from generation after generation from father to son. And because of this tradition, it has authority for the son in his life. Today, we are going to study Solomon's call to his son to listen and David's call to Solomon to get wisdom. Our first lesson in this passage is to listen. Solomon opens this discourse as he asks, as he has already in other passages in Proverbs, specifically Proverbs 1, 8. And he calls his son to listen. Now, one difference in today's passage is that instead of calling his son to listen, he calls his sons, plural, to listen to a father's instruction. Many commentators look at the, the plural sons here in the context of the rest of the passage, which we will consider David's teaching to Solomon, which is what we'll look at later on. And many commentators look at that context and think what Solomon is talking to here is not a group of sons, his own uh, his own sons, but a, a group of descendants who will receive the instruction from Solomon's son to Solomon's grandson, from Solomon's grandson to his great grandson and so on and so forth. It's a line of succession that he's talking about here and. We see in that that these words were not merely words written to from Solomon to one son of his. But from Solomon to all of those who claim to be sons and descendants of Abraham. Paul tells us that each and every one of us who who grasp on to God's gospel in faith, our descendants are part of the seed of Abraham. And so this is written for us as well. And Solomon opens up saying, listen and pay attention to instruction so that you may gain understanding. Listen and pay attention are very similar words that involve hearing, learning and applying the teaching so that in this case we may gain understanding. Solomon goes on to say, I give you sound instruction. My 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 instruction is worthwhile. It is practical. It is based upon a sound foundation that will give you moral and practical learning. We forget sometimes the practical nature of the words that we are given in the scriptures, the the words of Solomon in the book of Proverbs, but the words of God through all of scripture. We oftentimes pigeonhole the learning that we get in our Bible study and in church into the spiritual realm, forgetting that it has 
practical application for us as well. God's wisdom as he has revealed it in his word and in his world is all that we need to live a life that glorifies God, both our spiritual lives and our everyday practical lives. We would do well to listen to God's teaching and to apply it to our lives. We would do well to listen to God's teaching and apply it to our work lives, to our family life, to our leisure, to every aspect of our life. How many of us are tempted toward anxiety in the midst of this pandemic? I'm not necessarily talking about anxiety disorder, although it can be heightened during this difficult time. But the normal everyday sense of unease and worry that comes from being confronted with not knowing the future. A study of God's sovereignty would do us well in this time as God reveals himself to be sovereign over all of creation. Over every atom, over every molecule, over every protein, yes, over every virus. And that study of sovereignty should bring us peace and hope in the midst of these difficult times. Solomon is teaching his son wisdom that gives great benefit. And God, through Solomon, is calling us to listen to the instruction so that we may practically apply it to our lives. Solomon then turns his focus from his own teaching to his father's teaching. As he is, as he tells his son of David's call on Solomon to get wisdom. Now, Solomon appeals in verse three in the first part of verse four to his father. He says, when I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, he, he being the father, the father of Solomon being David, he taught me and said, now Solomon talks about being a young boy, the only child of his mother, that's probably a covenantal term. Bruce Waltke argues that based upon uh, Isaac being called Abraham's only son, even though Abraham already had Ishmael and would later have other sons, that that in Genesis, Isaac is Abraham's only son because he is the son of promise. And Solomon would be the only son of his mother because he was the, the son who would receive the crown and also receive the promise of God and the repetition of God's promise to David that he would remain on the throne forever. Solomon received that promise as well, that a descendant of his would remain on the throne forever. And Solomon tells his son that, that David passed on some of the same wisdom to him that Solomon is going to be passing on to his son. And there's a couple reasons that he appeals to David. The first is to give an authoritative example Solomon is saying that he is passing on uh, something that was passed on to him and it was value to Solomon. Parents, how many times have you found yourself saying to your children, my dad or my mom always told me such and such and so and so. Children, how many times have you heard your parents say those same things? Children, your parents are trying to tell you that the wisdom is valuable and trustworthy that it is authoritative because it was passed on to them and it worked in their life. I think back to how many lessons I learned because I listened to my parents. We'll talk about other lessons that I learned the hard way later on. 
Your parents are trying to teach you things that they learned from their parents, that their parents learned from them. And that is the second reason that Solomon appeals to David. It's to remind us of the enduring nature of the wisdom that Solomon is getting, is giving. The middle section of Proverbs 3 was a list of the benefits of wisdom. Those benefits are mentioned in other parts of Scripture, but typically in the context of covenant faithfulness in law keeping. In other ways in which we will discuss as we go along through the book, we will see that Solomon's instruction is instruction in God's law. So wisdom is something that we can trust because God is the same today, yesterday and forever. The wisdom is something that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation and has worked to bring the benefits that God promises through Solomon, through Moses and through David. Yes, we have to do the work of figuring out how to apply the biblical instruction to life in the 21st century, although humanity is is not that much different today than it was in Solomon's time or in Joshua's time or in Abraham's time. We, We just have more technology. I'm tempted to say better technology, but I'm not sure that's the case. I think we just have more of it. But God's wisdom is as valid today as it was to Solomon and his son. And it is just as authoritative for us today as it was to Solomon, to David and to their children. So what does David have to teach Solomon that he is then passing on to his own son? He begins at the verse at the end of verse four in the same place that Solomon did with the call to grab, to hold on to, to not turn his back on the life giving words of wisdom. David tells Solomon that if he lays a hold of the words with all of his heart, if he internalizes the wisdom that he is teaching Solomon, that if he keeps the commands that he is giving Solomon, that he will live. Life in the Old Testament is not merely some biological process by which we adapt to our environment, by which we metabolize for energy, by which we reproduce in our world. Life is that prosperity, that blessing, that that joy of living that comes with being alive, that comes with being a child of God. It's 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 that saying that says it's not the the important thing is not how many years you have in your life, but how many life, how much life you have in your years to live a well lived life. We must follow wisdom. We must give our whole heart our whole will to the words of God and to keep the commands that we learn. And then after the call, he goes through a list of commands. And one of those commands is repeated four times in this passage, twice in verse five and twice in verse seven. And that command is to get. In verse five, we're told, get wisdom, get understanding. And in verse seven, we are told to get wisdom and to get understanding. It's a good rule of biblical study that if a word is repeated multiple times within a passage, it's probably pretty important to help us to understand. And we're told twice to get wisdom and twice to get understanding. Wisdom and understanding being interchangeable words, words that are synonymous both in English 
and also in the original language that tell us that wisdom and understanding is the gathering of knowledge so that we might live a life that is worthy of God, a life that is wise. The word get, the command that is given to us four times here, is a word that is typically translated as a commerce type words. In fact, other places within the scripture, it is translated as purchase or buy. In fact, in verse 7, David says, though it costs you all that you have, get wisdom or get understanding. However, if we look at the rest of the commands that David gives to Solomon, it moves the word get out of the realm of commerce and into the realm of marriage. Let me explain real quick. At the time of Solomon, whenever a man wanted to marry a woman, he would go to the father, he would ask permission and they would negotiate what's called a dowry or a bride price. Now, many people have seen the the accounts of the dowry in the scripture and in other places and said, look, marriage was just slavery back then. But that's not the case. The dowry, the bride price was security for the woman at the moment that the bride price was paid, that the that the man and the, the father of the bride had agreed on the pace, the, the price and it was paid to the father of the bride. Technically, the bride and the groom were married. She had at that point left her family and had cleaved to the man, even though there was still a marriage to be had, even though there was still a feast to celebrate everything, even though they did not come together as husband and wife until that feast was formalized. Legally, the marriage was in place. And if the man abandoned the betrothal, the woman would potentially be left destitute. And so the father of the bride held on to the bride price as a security for the woman so that she would be taken care of. And then once the marriage actually happened, what husband and wife consummated their marriage and she physically left the family as she had already done emotionally at the time of betrothal, well, her family would lose economics. This was an agricultural society. And the bigger the farm you had, the the more children you needed to work the farm. And so the family would lose the economic support of having the daughter to to work in the fields or to work in the homes. And so the bride price was a a, a recompense to the family so that they would not be hurt financially as well. And if we couple the, the word, the command to get wisdom, to get understanding with some of the rest of the verbs in here, we see that this is we are to pursue wisdom as we would the wife of a noble character that is explained to us in Proverbs 31. We are commanded in this passage to love wisdom. We are commanded to esteem or cherish wisdom. And we are commanded to embrace wisdom. These are romance words. These are words that we would speak of as we were as a husband and a wife are wooing each other, continuing to woo each other through their marriage. Single guys, wouldn't you give anything to have that wife of noble character? 
that is described to us in Proverbs 31, a, a wife who has both an inner and an outer beauty, a wife who lives the life of wisdom that is described in the, the entirety of the book of Proverbs. Wouldn't you give anything for a wife like that? You should. David tells Solomon that wisdom is like that beautiful, seemingly unreachable woman that every man wants to marry and every man would give everything he could have to marry her. Give everything that you have, though it costs you all that you have. Get wisdom, get understanding. And we know that Solomon listened to his dad. In first Kings chapter three, God comes to Solomon in a vision. And he says, look, I will give you riches, I will give you power or I will give you wisdom. Just ask for one. And Solomon passed over riches. He passed over power and he asked God for wisdom. Though it cost him all that he had. He got understanding. What are we willing to give up? To get understanding. Sadly for many of us. We aren't even willing to give up a few minutes every day. To pursue wisdom. We aren't willing to give up sleep. We aren't willing to give up food. We aren't willing to give up games. We're not willing to pay much of anything. To pursue wisdom. If you pursued your spouse. Married people. As much as you pursue wisdom, would you be married today? You know, God calls each and every one of us to put aside our pride, our fear, our tiredness, our sleep, our eating, our lack of education, our excuses, our idols that we put in place of seeking the treasures of wisdom revealed in his word. What stands in the way of you studying and applying God's wisdom to your life? Put it aside. Wisdom is far more valuable. And it's important for us to know and to understand as we pursue wisdom. That wisdom is not the only bride pursued at a great price. The church is the bride of Christ. And he gave up the glories of. Of heaven. Paul says he emptied himself. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on flesh, taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient unto death, even the most cursed of deaths, death on a cross, so that he might purchase his bride, the church, all those who claim. To believe in him, all those whose hearts have been changed by the work of the spirit in order to embrace the truth that they are sinners and in need of a savior. Jesus paid a price far greater than silver and gold so that we would have the power to truly pursue God's wisdom. Set aside your idols, set aside your excuses. Though it cost you all you have, get wisdom. And thirdly, David lists for Solomon benefits of wisdom. I love Solomon. I love God because they, they, they remember so well 
how human I am. Yes, I should pursue wisdom simply because God commands it, but God knows sometimes I need extra motivation. And so he promises rewards for those who get wisdom at all cost. First off, the first reward that's talked about in here is that wisdom will protect you. Living by sound teaching will keep us out of trouble. Living by God's wisdom will help us to see, to help us to interpret those things in our life that could potentially be dangerous. I'm not just talking about physical danger. I'm talking about emotional danger, relational danger, financial danger. Wisdom will give us the ability to see those things and protect us from walking into those things. Protect us from being waylaid by those things. Wisdom will also watch over or keep us. It's important for us to remember that the book of Proverbs is descriptive rather than prescriptive. Sometimes God leads us into the dark valleys, into the valley of the shadow of death. Unfortunately, I forget where I I read this and I, I can't attribute it to the person, but he talks about how sometimes the shepherd knows that the sheep need the nutrients that can only be found in those plants that grow in the dangerous valleys. And so the shepherd leads the sheep into those valleys. And yet wisdom will watch over or guard us or keep us as we are in those valleys. Oh, brothers and sisters, how difficult it is to learn those lessons there. Sometimes God leads me into those valleys because I refuse to learn the lessons of wisdom that would have protected me from those dark places. But even when God leads me into those valleys, he keeps me. He watches over me. And as David said, I need not fear because thou art with me, because he is there with me in the valley. And the third thing that wisdom does for us is it honors us. The victor's crown is described in verse nine. She will exalt or she will set a garland of grace on your head. She will present you with a crown of splendor. In verse eight, it says she will honor you. She will glorify you. Wisdom will give us the victor's crown in this life. Wisdom will bring us honor in this life. But more importantly, wisdom will lead us to the place where we were given the eternal crown of splendor. As we kneel before the throne of God. When Jesus returns. You don't always have to cringe when somebody says that's the way we've always done it. Solomon teaches his children the value of wisdom by reminding them that is authoritative because it worked for him. It worked for his father, David, and his father, and his father, and his father. And it is based upon the foundation of God. Our culture enthrones youth and newness. If it's old, we throw it out. We don't like tradition. But tradition that is built upon the foundation of God's wisdom is of benefit to the world. And also to God's people. Don't despise the teaching of the ages. And no matter what it costs you. Get wisdom. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, I do thank you for the truth that is given to us, the truth that is found in your word. 
the truth that is built upon the foundation of the God who never changes, the God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. Make us willing to pay whatever price necessary to get wisdom, to get understanding. And remind us that we have the power to do that because the bride price for Jesus church has been paid and we are his and we are secure. We pray this in Jesus precious name. Amen. As the people of God, we are called to praise God in all that we do. We are called to worship him in song. And so we will sing the song, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, which if you have our hymn book is hymn number 141. Charles Wesley, when he wrote this, was not asking for a large choir. He was literally asking for a thousand tongues so that he himself could lift up the praises of God. So let us join together as we worship God through the singing of Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease, Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of reigning sin, he sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the sinful clean, his blood avail for me. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. As you go this week, know that God offers peace, God offers grace. And as you walk this path, lift up, the, lift up your head and receive the benediction, the blessing of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance upon you and bring you peace. Amen.